0: We don't deserve to be in your presence. We don't deserve to worship you, but we get to because of the sacrifice of Christ on our behalf. Lord, thank you for that reminder this morning. Thank you for the reminder of the freedom we have in Christ, of the forgiveness we have because Jesus died in our place. Lord, I pray that we'd be able to pour out our praise before you this morning in the way that we respond to your word, in the way that we live for you. God, thank you. We love you in Jesus' name amen this morning we're going to start in the book of Acts so if you want to be turning over there the book of Acts is where we're going to start Acts chapter 1 last week we, we finished up John's gospel so what happens after John's gospel what happens after Luke's gospel Jesus rose from the grave what comes next what now to, to put it a more personal way, Jesus is alive, we believe, now what? Well, hopefully over the next 10 weeks or so, we can answer this question uh, of now what? Like if, you, if, you, if you're here and you've ever struggled with questions of what it looks like to follow Christ, what it means to be a Christian, then, then I hope that you'll stick around, you'll come and, and listen to the book of Acts if you know people in your life that are like, man, what is this church thing about? Bring them As we walk through this, this book, we're going like I said, we'll spend about 10 weeks uh, walking through uh, Luke's account in the book of Acts. We're going to start in chapter 1 this morning, these first 11 verses, as we begin to unpack this. Really, the first 11 verses of, of uh, the book of Acts are a, an outline for the rest of the, the letter, the rest of the book. And so you can see what's going to take place in these first 11 verses. And in these first 11 verses, we, we get a picture uh, of what it clearly means to be a Christian, of what it clearly means to follow Christ and, and to obey him. And, and clarity, as we talk about that this morning, is something that we all need. Life can kind of get complicated, can't it? Like, you know, what, what's my next steps? Okay, I got married what now you know what we got a baby and <laughs> now what or you know you just go down the the list of every season of life i finished high school now what I finished college now what you just keep going i retired now what i got a job now what how do i i deal with these things going on in life how do i deal with these complicated situations Here in Acts 1 1 through 11, we're not going to have an answer to every situation we find ourselves in, but what we find is a sense of clarity and understanding how to deal with whatever we're going through. There are three questions we're going to answer this morning Who's in charge? What do they want me to do? And why am I going to do it? If you're ever going to get anywhere in life or anywhere, period, you need to answer these questions. Otherwise, you'll end up running around in circles. Who are you going to obey? What are they going to tell you to do, and why are, you, why are you going to do it? When you answer these questions, then you can actually get going in the right direction, or at least a direction. And so in these first 11 verses, I hope that we can find some clarity this morning as we uh, settle these things. First, The first question we're going to answer is, who are we going to obey? And so first here we see in Acts chapter 1 that we find clarity when we accept Jesus as our master. We find clarity when we accept Jesus as our master. Now, when, when I was thinking about the way to word this, the, the word master, it almost, it almost makes the, the hair on the back of my neck bristle a little bit because my, my, my rebellious streak, my fleshly side comes out. And, and I'll be honest with you, I, I struggle with this part of it. And I, I think that's just our, our nature to want to be our own master. This is what we, we're doing when we come to Christ. We're accepting him as our master. When you say Jesus is your master, what you mean is you obey. You don't question the strategy. You don't question his wisdom. You simply understand, okay, this is what he told me to do. He's in charge. My opinion doesn't matter. I'm going to obey. Our rebellious side wants to to give all kinds of qualifiers to that, though, doesn't it? I'll obey as long as I like what he tells me to do. Well, then he's not really being your master, is he? I get get where Thomas is coming from in John's Gospel, doubting Thomas. Always, always want more information, more logic, more reason. But sooner or later, we have to come to this place, guys, where either Jesus is our master or he's not. Either he's our Lord and our God or he's not. He doesn't take half of our heart. He wants to be our master. And so let me show you here in verses 1 and 2 the the beginning of why we should accept Jesus as our master. Look in Acts chapter 1, verse 1. In the first book, O Theophilus, I've dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach, until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. Now this I, when he says I have dealt with, this is a guy named Luke, and he was writing to a guy with Theophilus' name. That's a preacher joke, he's Theophilus, Theophilus' name, yeah, never. But anyway, Theophilus is a, is a Roman official. When he says most excellent, this is how Luke refers to Roman officials. And so most excellent, Theophilus. I'm writing to you to give you this information. What we know about Luke is that he is a doctor. He, he's an educated man, most likely a wealthy man. He's not a Jew. He's most likely from the church in Antioch. His role is more of a, an investigative reporter who's working uh, to give an accounting of who Jesus is and what Jesus did. Guys, what we need to understand about Jesus is that Jesus is not like this mystical idea. Like Luke, as a scientific, educated man, is writing a report to a, a Roman official. These are historical events, these are not Philly good things. These are things that actually took place. Luke is committed to his research, he is thorough. He wrote the gospel of Luke and the book of Acts. And within these two books, he has more words than anybody else in the New Testament. Like he outdoes Paul. Paul wrote more books. Luke wrote really big books. Luke's a, a good friend of Paul. He goes on missionary journeys with Paul. He sticks it out when nobody else does. In fact, before Paul dies, he writes and says, everybody's left me but Luke. Luke gives us a careful accounting of the evidence about who Jesus is and what Jesus did. These are not some idle tales told you know by these religious nuts these are actual verifiable facts of eyewitness accounts of things that actually took place we accept jesus as our master because he's not a figment of someone's imagination he's a real historical person we can trust god's word to us these eyewitness accounts were written within the lifetime of the people who gave them so they could have refuted them and so look at look at verse 3 He's not only historical, he is God. Not only is he God, he's our Savior. Look at verse 3. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Not many days from now. And so Luke is pointing to all the proofs that Jesus shows after his resurrection and even before his resurrection. There's all these signs and wonders, all these miracles that Jesus did to prove that he's indeed who he says he is. The son of God, the savior of the world. We don't have time to go back through and look at all these different things. And In fact, I would encourage you as we walk through Acts. Take a a chapter of, of Luke and work through it as we walk through Acts. Uh, during the week walk, walk through the gospel of Luke read some of, of Luke's gospel to be reminded of who Jesus is and what Jesus had done and so Luke tells us that he presents himself alive after his suffering well, what suffering is Luke re- referring to well he's talking about the cross he's talking about the fact that Jesus because of his love for us had been spit on he had been beaten and ultimately hung on a cross for our sins where God punished him in our place for all that we have done You see, Jesus is not just historical. He's not just obviously God because he rose from the dead. He is also our Savior. We obey him and we serve him because he loves us so much he gave himself for us. He has come to save us from our sins. He's come to set us free. We accept Jesus as our master because he is good, because he is kind, because he is loving. He says, all you who are weary and heavy laden, come to me and I'll give you rest. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He doesn't put more pressure on us. As far as trying to be better, he takes that pressure off and gives us grace, gives us mercy. Jesus' death on the cross and resurrection shows us that our master is good and kind and loving. He offers us hope and life and peace. And this morning, as we talk about this, we understand that this is what connects his people together. As I mentioned earlier, Christianity isn't built on ideas and wisdom. It's not built on human ability and achievement, like how good we can be. We're not able to save ourselves. We need someone to pay our penalty for our sins. We need someone to stand in our place, and Jesus is the only one who can do that for us. The good news about the salvation we find in Jesus is what unites us as his people. The church is not built on a certain way of life. It's not built on a common culture. Do you realize that the way we do church today in 2019 doesn't look anything really like what they did 2,000 years ago outside of the, the Word of God, having the Word of God? Like where they met in houses, we meet in buildings. We don't sing any of the songs that they sang, Well, besides maybe some of the Psalms, They didn't use pianos or organs. They didn't have hymnals. They didn't have any of the things that we use today. They would have used the instruments of their own day. Like, like almost none of the things that we find ourselves worrying over today were even present in the early church. they never got in a fight over the color of the carpet because they didn't have any. Like, none of those things, like the buildings we meet in, the clothes we wear, the songs we sing, the language we speak, are all completely different than the way the early church behaved. Except for the one thing that has never changed, the Word of God that directs our path. See, Jesus is our boss. He is our master. On Christ's solid rock, we stand all other ground is sinking sand. We worship the same master. We follow the same master as they did. The disciples are clear. Jesus is their master for them. There's no debate who's in charge. They know who's going to be calling the shots, and it's not them. It is Jesus. That's something we need to settle this morning. Who is your master? Are you your own boss? Is it the culture around you? Is it your friends and what they think? Is it whatever circumstances you may be going through this week? Or do you bow to Jesus and allow him to direct your path? Maybe the reason why sometimes we run around in circles is because we're running around in circles. Because we don't listen to him. We don't obey him. When we're clear about the fact that Jesus is in charge, well then when things get difficult, we don't have to wonder who we should go to. We don't have to wonder which direction we should take. What I mean here is, is that when you're following Jesus, uh, you have someone who's going to guide your steps and, and direct your path. And there'll be times where, where you struggle and you try to figure out which way is right. So I'm not saying that, that you'll never have questions, you'll never have concerns, you'll never be at a where, crossroads where you're stuck. I'm saying when you follow Jesus, you won't have to stay there. Because here's what ends up happening we, we read our Bible, we pray, everything's going awesome. And then that thing happens we hope would never happen. We have to choose between what we want, what would make us happy, and what would make Christ happy. And in that moment, we find out who's in charge, don't we? We find out who actually is calling the shots. Like, he calls us to forgive that person who hurt us, and we're not so sure. He calls us to serve, and we're not so sure. He calls us to turn off the TV and spend time with him, and well, I don't know. I don't know who's in charge here. We, he calls us to say no to that girl or that guy. I'm not so sure. He calls us to, to share the gospel with that person. And man, they may, they may make fun of us. In those moments, you're going to find out who's in charge. When our, when our situation gets tough, that's when we find out who's calling the shots. We want clarity this morning in our sticky situations. We must accept Jesus as our master and obey his word and his will for our lives. If We don't. We're just going to be running around in circles saying, who's in charge here? Who's in charge? I don't know where to go. But when we have a clear master, then we have a clear mission. So secondly, this morning, we gain clarity when we see sharing Jesus as our mission, when we understand that our purpose, the reason for our being, is to share who Jesus is and what he has done. Like, it's important to answer that question for yourself this morning. What is your purpose in life? Is your purpose in life centered around you or is it centered around what God would have for you? Because when you don't know your purpose, it's real easy to get lose focus, isn't it? It's real easy to get focused on the, the wrong things. I, I was reminded of an article I read a long time ago, but, but I, I wonder how many of y'all have ever seen a blockbuster movie store? <laughs> y'all remember those? Like half of us don't, some of y'all may not even remember what those things are. We used to be able to go in and rent movies. They're completely gone. I saw where there's like one left in the whole United States. And they'd figured out a way to keep it open. But did you, did you know that back in 2000, they had an opportunity to buy out Netflix? guy came to them and said, hey, give me 50 million bucks, and Netflix is yours. At the time, the man running Blockbuster laughed at him. He said, there's no way we would send people movies. This was back before they had the streaming, you know, they actually I had to send them in the mail, the DVDs. He said, there's no way we'd send people movies, because then we couldn't sell them popcorn and candy. He thought they were about selling popcorn and candy. He'd lost focus of the fact that it's actually home entertainment. And so he said, no, there's no way we'd buy Netflix for $50 million. They passed on it. Well, Netflix is worth over $30 billion today because they've stayed focused on what they're about, which is providing home entertainment. When we lose focus of what God has called us to and we lose focus of why we actually exist, we pass up these great opportunities to serve Him and to work for Him as individuals and as a church when we forget that we have our mission and our mission is clear and our mission is very it is from the Lord we we can lose focus of what he's actually called us to do but when our mission is clear then it we come to these crosswords cross not crossword I'm not providing answers to crosswords this morning crossroad situations we can ask ourselves the questions if we know what we're about does this help or hurt my mission does this help me accomplish what God has called me to or hurt, what, uh, hurt my ability to accomplish what God has called me to? Then you have your answer. If it neither hurts nor helps, then maybe you just ought to do whatever you want <laughs> in those situations. I ask the Lord to guide you, to direct you. But when we have a crystal clear mission, then we know what we should be about. Look at verses 6 and 7. Jesus makes it clear why we exist. He makes it clear, first off, what we ought not to be so focused on verse 6 it says so when they'd come together they asked him Lord will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel he said to them it is not for you to know times or seasons that the father is fixed by his own authority so the disciples are looking for their payday they're hoping that finally Jesus will overthrow the Roman government and give them a kingdom there in Jerusalem there in Israel the problem is, is that they're thinking too small they're thinking in terms of an earthly kingdom they're thinking in terms of a Jewish kingdom They're thinking in terms of what they wanted, to be able to sit on thrones that Jesus had told them that they would sit on. They're thinking of this earthly kingdom. They're thinking that they can know when God is going to do what God said he's going to do. And Jesus says, no, that's not your business. That's not what I'm giving you to do. Your job isn't to know what God is going to do. Here's what uh, you're called to do. Uh, This helps us. It helps us stay away from stuff that can waste a lot of our time by guessing on what we think God may do or what God may not do and when he may do it. It's good to to study and to know those things, but but it's more important to be focused on what our job is. Our job is not to tell God when he ought to do things and when he is going to do them. That's not up to us. Our job is to be about the mission he has given us. We are called to stay in our lane. Speculation is not our mission. Our mission is to do what he told us. Look at verse 8. He says, don't worry so much about that. Here, let me tell you what you ought to be about. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. And uh, and when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So what Jesus says here is your job is not to worry about God's business. Your job is to be my witnesses. What does it mean to be a witness? means to simply tell people what you saw, to tell people your experience, to to share with them your story of of knowing who Jesus is. And so to be Jesus's witness is to explain to people who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. These disciples have a very clear mission to testify about who Christ is, to tell people, hey, this is who Jesus is. He was born of a virgin. He he did all these things. He he raised the, the dead. He healed the sick he cast out demons he he died on the cross in our place and on the third day he rose again to share with them all that Jesus had taught them that is their purpose that is our purpose that is our mission to make disciples of all peoples to baptize them in the name of the Father the Son and the Holy Spirit and to teach them all that he has taught us our mission is simple share Jesus tell people about him help them understand who he is and what he has done. The way that we live our lives should give testimony to the love that he has shown us and so that we can show to those around us. The things that we invest our lives in or we spend our money on should reflect the fact that Jesus has saved us and redeemed us and called us to share the gospel with the people around us. As a church, the the ministries that we prioritize, should always focus on how we can best give witness to who Jesus is and what Jesus had done. We should always be asking ourselves, does this teach people the gospel of Jesus? Does this help the people in our church and our community, both believers and non-believers, understand who Jesus is? This is our mission as a church. We, we don't need a consultant to come in and tell us what our mission is. It's simple to give testimony to the fact that Jesus is the Son of God, the Savior of the world, and what it means to follow after him. Like, like in the book of Acts. When you walk through the book of Acts, it's, it's amazing. Basically, they start off with a group that's smaller than the group we have here, just about. They're, it's a group full of people who are uneducated. like they, they don't have any special training other than the fact that they spent the last three and a half years with Jesus. That's where they start. Within 30 years, people are saying, these people have turned the world upside down. They're everywhere. Christianity has spread through the Roman Empire. It's spread through the known world at the time within 30 years how i mean you look at that little group of people and you think about today when there's billions of christians all over the world and you think about all the countless millions of people who have been been impacted and and lives changed because of christianity how did that happen what was their secret luke records for us what they did in his investigation of the early church has 28 chapters 30 of them are sermons. There's 30 sermons recorded within these, there are over 30 sermons recorded within these 28 chapters. And so as he talks about how the church grew, he says over and over again that the word of God increased. What is their secret? How did the early church grow? They told people about Jesus, they shared the word of God. Their hearts were so full of Jesus that when their mouths opened, Jesus came out. Out of the abundance of our heart, the mouth speaks. If we're not talking about Jesus, what does that say about what our heart's full of? Because our our mission is clear, both as a church and as individuals. We are to share the gospel of Christ. And he also tells us where we're to share the gospel of Christ. Look at what Jesus says here. In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, ends of the earth. In other words, we start at home and we work our way out. So I know a lot of people use this as a guide to, to help their mission strategy. This is the way that we share the gospel. We share the gospel locally and then you know, statewide, then nationally and internationally, and, and with people of all, all shapes and sizes, people that are like us and people that aren't like us, and, and that's good, and, and I think that's a right way to look at this, but Jesus' point is very simple. Share the gospel where you are and don't stop sharing it until everyone hears. You see, where the disciples... We're focused on their one little part of the world and on their own people group, their own ethnicity. Jesus is saying, No, the gospel is actually for the whole world and it's for all people, no matter what their background is, no matter what their skin color is. They need to hear about Jesus. Guys, this is our mission. He tells us here at the first part of verse 8 that we're not alone as we do it. That it's the Holy Spirit who gives us power to be able to share the gospel. And we'll see that as we go through the book of Acts that the Holy Spirit continuously empowers His people to share the gospel. And as He empowers His people to share the gospel, people come to Christ. As He does today, we are witnesses of who Jesus is. And as we're witnesses of who Jesus is, people become Christians. And so we have this clear master. We have this clear mission. But we also need a clear motive. We need to focus on the why. Why are we doing this? Because if we forget why we're doing this, then we may lose focus of what we're doing and who we're serving. And so we gain clarity when we realize that Jesus is our motive. We gain clarity when we realize that Jesus is our our motive. You guys ever notice uh, how much harder you work uh, when the boss is standing over your shoulder? It's so much easier all of a sudden to get busy when the person you're going to answer to walks in, isn't it? I, it's not even something that you do on purpose, I don't think. It's not that you don't want to work hard all the time, but it gives you that little extra push, right? When the supervisor is there, when the boss is there, you're like, oh yeah, I actually do need to work a little harder today. Well, that's, that's sort of what we see here in verses 9 through 11. Look at verse 9, he says, When he, said, when he had said these things, they were, as they were looking up, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him up out of their sight. And so imagine these disciples watching Jesus, and as he's talking, he's being lifted up into heaven. Would have been a kind of a crazy scene. Look at verse 10. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who is taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven so they're standing there their jaws are open they're like what what's going on they're watching jesus go up into heaven and luke says here that two men were standing there in white robes now we assume these are angels luke doesn't say they're angels he just says two men in white robes could have been elijah and moses we really don't know and and honestly it really doesn't matter who they are what matters is what they say they say why are you standing here why are you standing here looking up at the sky he's coming back you know the, the boss is coming back you better get the word not just because it, you're afraid of him coming back and like laying the hammer down but because you don't want to disappoint him you want to honor the one who gave his life for you the one who gave you life now and forever guys every day as we seek to serve the Lord and follow his word we're reminded that we're going to see him again this brings us a whole new level of focus like he sees us regardless one day we're going to have to face him We don't have time to waste. If we want clarity this morning, we we have to understand how we should order our life. We have to understand that our Lord, our Savior, the one who died in our place, is coming again. If you want clarity this morning, accept Jesus as your master. He's the only one who could ever save you and give you hope in this world. Receive his mission that is to present the message of forgiveness to all those who have never believed. And realize that he is your motive this isn't about you. It's actually about him and about people coming to know him. Every decision we make ought to be based on this. Does this help me serve my master or does this honor my master? Does this help me obey him or does this help me disobey him? Does this help bring people to Christ or push people away from Christ? That's how we ought to find clarity this morning. This is how we ought to make decisions this morning. Always remembering that he's coming back. He's coming back real soon. He'll be here before we know it. And so it's not just because we don't want to disappoint him. It's not just because we want to please him. There's another part to this motive. You see, not everybody will be happy when he returns. There's a reason we witness. It's because God has declared that Jesus is the only way to spend eternity in heaven and not hell. He is the only way. We've all fallen short of God's standard. We've all come up guilty. The reason Jesus went to the cross for us is because we could never measure up on our own Paul said if if we could ever earn it if we could ever be good enough Jesus wouldn't have died like if there was another way he would have done it that way he is the only way when he died in our place and paid our price and rose again on the third day he is showing us he is the only way he's the only way to ever be saved you see Christianity is different than other world religions in that we're not really given a, a way to earn our salvation We're not given a list of rules and said, do this, 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 and this. Christianity is not primarily based about teaching. It's primarily based on the fact that we follow Christ. It's about Jesus. Our following of Jesus, our trusting in him, being a good person is not going to get you anywhere with God because you can never be good enough. Like if you come in here this morning and you think you're going to get into heaven because of your performance in life, you're wrong. Guys, we'll never make it based on who we are. Christianity is not a religion of human achievement. It is about divine accomplishment. It is about the fact that Jesus did all we needed him to do. He did all that we should have done. He finished the work. He finished all that needed to be done in order for us to have everlasting life, in order for us to have forgiveness, in order for us to have salvation. He did it all. And so he invites you this morning to trust on him, to believe on him. When I say we accept Jesus as our master, I'm not calling you. to a a religion. I'm calling you to a relationship with him who died in your place. And he calls you to put your faith in him. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you for your word. I thank you that, God, even as we gather in this place this morning, we're reminded of the fact that we could never earn it. God, we could never earn your your love or earn uh, your salvation, but that has been provided for us freely. God, that you you didn't leave us alone, you didn't leave us without hope, but God, that you have given us hope in Christ. Lord, I pray that if there's any here who have never accepted Jesus uh, as their Savior, as their Master, God, that they would this morning, that they would ask him to save them. Lord, I, I pray that uh, if there's any here who are believers who maybe are struggling trying to figure out the next step of, of what's now or that they would put their faith in you that they would be reminded of who's in charge and God that they would obey you and follow after your word and your will in their lives God I pray that we as a family of believers would be about your mission that we would just have this crystal clear focus on what you've called us to do Lord forgive us where we fail you in this Lord forgive us where we get focused on all the wrong things Help us to focus again on the fact that it's just about sharing you. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. If you would stand with us, and as you stand, we're going to have a time of commitment and invitation. You come during this time if you need to come pray.